I just love the fact that you have to tell people it's time to stop fellowship and come and sit down. I've been to some churches where that wasn't the case. And so I am grateful for a culture where we love one another, truly care about one another. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today, Father God. I thank you that you didn't send me here to speak to chairs for people who aren't here. And so, Lord, I thank you for showing us what you're saying to us personally and what you're saying to us as a church. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. My desire today is that you would think about everything through the lens of transformation. You see, the goal of God is for you to be transformed into the image of his dear son. He doesn't necessarily just want you to sin less than the person sitting next to you or the people that you work with. His desire is transformation. And Pastor Jacob has been sharing with us this this idea. Now, he stole it from me and he changed the words. But this idea of information, revelation, integration, and transformation. Now, I called integration, uh, I called revelation inspiration because we live in a generation, you know, we're we're in the information age. You can get information on just about anything at the push of a button within seconds. We have more information and we're dumber than a box of rocks. Uh, Information doesn't necessarily make you wise. And then we have all these podcasts and inspirational videos. And, you know, I'm old enough now, I'm raising up another generation of Gen Zs and millennials, and they're always sending me this podcast. You need to watch this. This is so inspiring. And I've begun to ask them, did it transform you? Because if all that did was inspire you, I I could have watched Planet Earth or gone fishing. Yeah, thank you for your thunderous applause. (laughs) See, and and let me just tell you, if you're inspired by cats, get a life, would you please? (laughs) Man, oh man, it drives me crazy. People send me this cat wave, and I ain't got time for that. If you're going to send me something, it better transform my life or somebody else's or I haven't got time for it. But God's desire is that you be transformed. And right in the middle of all the information and inspiration and revelation is this integration. We call it discipleship. Now, this generation does not like the word disciple or discipline or discipleship. So we, we've called it spiritual formation. Doesn't that sound so nice? Spiritual formation. It's work. It it takes work to be transformed. It takes letting God work on you and that thing being worked on you until it becomes you. And God's desire is that you and I would truly go from where we were to looking like Jesus, acting like Jesus, sounding like Jesus, being the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. So his desire is transformation. God's desire from the beginning is for you and I to bear the image of God in this world. Genesis 126, let us make man in our image. It's not a trick question. Let us make God in our image and in our likeness. In the beginning, God's desire is that we would be like him on the earth. In Romans 8, 28, it says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed unto the image of his dear son. So he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Be conformed into the image of God. So my desire is that you and I would look at everything that's going on in our life and ask ourselves, what are we being transformed into? Because the truth of the matter is, all of us are being transformed into something. 
Whatever you have habits of, those habits are transforming you. If you're watching The Walking Dead, you are being transformed. Now, I don't know who's watching that, but somebody's watching because it's like in his 10th or 12th season or something. I don't know. Uh, You can only see so many dead people, and it kind of gets repetitive. I don't know what that's all about. Family guy. I I can't figure out where people's hearts and heads are. But whatever you're watching, whatever you're listening to, whatever you're beholding on a regular basis is transforming you. And the world's desire is for you to be transformed into their image and what they want you to be. And as a Christian, we're supposed to be counterculture to the craziness that's going on. And all of the lack of peace and the fear that came into our world last year, we should have been the ones walking in faith. We should have been the ones that made a difference. And they looked at us and said, why are you secure? We're supposed to be different. Now, I want to look through being transformed through the five things it takes for you and I to be spiritually mature. Because there are five things. Everybody you respect in the kingdom of God, everybody you love, everybody you think knows God better than you, everybody that you send money to and all that kind of stuff, they have these five disciplines in their life, and I'm going to give them to you. The first one is the Word of God. Second one is covenant relationships. Third one is serving. Fourth one is personal disciplines. And the fifth one is encounters with God. Those five things, that's what it takes for you to be spiritually mature. You can take any other thing that you believe it takes to be a a mature Christian, and you can stick them under one of these five titles. And so I want to look at transformation, and are you being transformed? And these are signs. I'm in the South. Here's your sign. I want to do a whole message. Here's your sign. Here's your sign that you are being transformed by the Word of God. Number one, you don't pick and choose what scriptures you believe. Immature people pick scriptures they want and paint those on the refrigerator. Mature Christians, the fact that you're being transformed says you don't pick and choose what scriptures you believe. You believe the whole Word of God because it's the Word of God. Now, let me take a jab at you. I'm going to tell you right up front because I'm going to challenge you. I'm set on this planet to do three things, to challenge people, to believe for positive change, and to be your cheerleader. So let me challenge you before I cheer you. We pick and choose what scriptures we believe, and I see it most often at funerals because I'm watching a body of believers who are surprised when grandma dies because they were believing for 120 years because they found some scripture. Can I ask you to think about something? Do you know anybody that's made it 120 years? So somewhere between now and 120 years, all of us are going to go meet our maker. But we're standing on a scripture. I believe for 120 years because I believe the word of God. Well, the word of God says it's appointed unto every man wants to die. Why don't you have that on your refrigerator? Scripture says in Psalms 90 verse 12, I believe it is, Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we might have a wise heart. You live life differently when you realize you have an expiration date. You live life differently when you realize you are mortal and your days are coming to a close. You live life differently when you realize none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, no matter what you're believing for. Life is real. And I see the body of Christ, the people I'm speaking into, the generation I'm speaking into, and they are putting certain scriptures on their refrigerator, but they don't want to talk about other scriptures. So the part of the sign that you're being transformed by God's word is that you don't pick and choose what you believe. You believe what it says, whether you like it or not. Amen. Thank you for your thunderous applause. Maybe I am preaching to those that aren't here. Number two sign that you're being transformed by the Word of God. You have great peace, and nothing offends you. 
Psalms 119, 165. Don't you love that? Great peace have they that love thy law, the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. Did you have great peace? Do you have great peace? Part of believing God's word is that you have great peace when others do not. You are able to stand knowing it doesn't matter. God is in control. Whatever I'm going through, he's going to get me through it. Great peace have they. Not a little peace, great peace. Peace doesn't come at Hawaii. Peace doesn't come at Disney. The, some of the worst knockdown dragouts I've ever seen between couples has been at Disney. When you're standing in a line for an hour and a half in the beaten sun with their five-year-old and a nine-year-old paying $10 for a burger to take a 30-second ride, you will find peace is not at Disney. If you didn't bring it with you, it's not there. So let's take it to the, and nothing shall offend them. Ouch. Boy, we live in a world where they're just offended at everything. You brush by them and they're offended. You open your mouth, they're offended. You got a certain hat on or a certain color coat on, you are offending people. But the people of God, the people who have God's word in their heart and are reading God's word, they're not easy to offend because they know they are dead to themselves. We're supposed to reckon ourselves dead. See, here's what I found. It gets real quiet, and that's okay. When, when we first came to Christ, transformation was almost weekly. I mean, we were being transformed by the Word of God and the people of God and the house of God almost on a weekly basis when we first came to the Lord. But then something happens as we begin to grow in the Lord Transformation seems to get less and less. But I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where we're told it's okay to stop transforming. One of the things I do know about God is that he is going to be working on you until he comes back to get you. He that hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it until. Say until. Until the day of Jesus Christ. That's a nice way of saying he's not through with you yet. And he won't be through with you till you go to meet him. Period. So your check is in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> it's a small one, but it's in the mail. Here's another sign you're being transformed by the Word of God. You're under persecution. You are being persecuted. Now, I'm not talking about you like OU and they like the cowboys or something. That's not, that's not persecution. Now, you're a vegetarian and they're a meat eater. That's not persecution. I'm talking persecution for the word's sake. Mark chapter 4, where he talks about the parable of the sower sowing the seed. He says, these are they which were sown in the stony ground but had no root in of themselves and they grew up immediately. But then the sun came out and then they withered and died. And then in the explanation of that parable, he says, they were persecuted for the word's sake. When you believe God's word in a world that doesn't believe God's word, you should be being persecuted. When's the last time you were really persecuted for believing God's word, for standing on God's word, for speaking God's word? You know, I, I, I refuse to apologize for believing God's word. <clears throat> Just refuse to. When I go to eat, I pray over my food. And I just let the world deal with it. Now, I'm not stupid about it. Some of us, we just offend people because we're stupid. Please don't go to the restaurant when you leave here and go, wait, wait, everybody be quiet. I'm fixing to pray over my food. Oh, please shut up and sit down before you hurt somebody. That's not what God called us to do. But he didn't call us to be like the people who are afraid to pray over their food too, who drop their napkin. Go, Father, bless the food in Jesus' name. Part of a sign that you're being transformed by God's word is you are being persecuted. Your family thinks you're crazy. Your coworkers don't want to hear it anymore. Stop bringing your Bible to work. Stop praying. If you're living this life out loud, you are being persecuted, and you should be. 
And you should take pride in that in one way, in the fact that if you're living this right, that should be the response of people who aren't saved. You are a counterculture. Can I tell you what we should have that this world doesn't have? We should be slowed down and have peace and rest where we're not in a hurry. This generation loves busy. We venerated busy like it's godly. We love the term multitasking, which write it down in your notes. Multitasking is a great way of failing at two things at the same time. We should have rhythms in our life that slow us down. Sabbath was supposed to be a day of slowing down and trusting the Lord. So if you're not being persecuted, then maybe there's some transformation God is still wanting to do in your life. Can I get a witness? Second thing, covenant relationships. We are transformed by our relationships, people we're connected to. Covenant relationships, not just superficial connections. Can I tell you, the, the social media is actually and should be called the antisocial social media because it's not real. Have, have you come to the place yet to realize you have a thousand friends, but nobody you can count on when things are tough? That's because it's a lie. We are exchanging an LOL for an actual laugh. LOL. No, I, I want to hear some. I, I want to hear the person that laughs that snorts when they laugh. Because it's so great, man. It's just like, do it again. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And there's something happens. Just think about this for a second. When you're with friends, have you ever been with friends and you've laughed so hard your stomach just hurts? I mean, you just, did you ever walk away from a meeting like that going, God, I hope that never happens again? Man, that's terrible. I never. No, you feel invigorated. Why? Because joy is a strength. And when you have covenant relationships, it should be impacting you. So here's some signs that you have covenant relationships. You have good relationships with people who will and do correct you. If you don't have anybody speaking into your life that's saying, that's the stupidest thing I ever saw, don't do that again, you need someone. Let me read you a scripture. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11 in the uh, Living Translation says this, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him publicly, speaking strongly against what he was doing, for he was very wrong. We need people in our life who will go, don't do that. Don't buy that, that land. Don't, don't purchase that. Don't, don't, don't marry that person. We have a tendency to marry somebody and then ask God to bless the marriage when you might should have asked you to marry her to start out with. I, I do a lot of marriage counseling. I wish those people would have asked before. I'm telling you. We really, we have a lot of superficial friends. And this media thing is really taken away from what we actually need. We used to have social gatherings where we, we made ice cream. You remember that where we used to? And, and you had to take turns because it got harder and harder and harder and it took a while. We had ice cream socials. People think that's some kind of a spinoff of a candy crush. <laughs> no, no, it was an actual gathering where we played frisbee and softball and volleyball and swam and enjoyed barbecue and made ice cream, and we spent a whole day. When's the last time you spent a whole day with your family, a whole day with your friend, just chilling, sitting back, eating your barbecue? On a beautiful day like today, it, it encourages me to want to go do those things. But I have great relationships. I love the people I'm connected to because as, as much as you think I'm maybe hard on people, I really do love you. And I want to challenge you because you need to be challenged. 
You need people speaking the truth in love. And I have people, Pastor Tim's on the front row. He and I have been connected for years and years. You know, this man's really my friend. Literally, I could not beat him away from my relationship with a stick. He'd just come back. He has committed himself to me, and I'm thankful for him. But I can tell you right now, if I was to start to veer, he would have an encounter with me. I've watched him do it with others. Thank God I haven't been there yet. I've watched him do it. He's watched me do it with others. We've held each other accountable. And, and it's never one of those things where I, I get up going, oh, boy, I get to correct somebody. But if you truly love somebody, you don't want them going down a road that's got a dead end and the bridge is out. If you love them, you'll do everything you can to keep them from going there. We need relationships where people do correct us, speak into us, ask us, have you really thought about this right here? Oh, we love it when people pat us on the back and tell us we did a great job. But what if we didn't do a great job? What if we really, really drop the ball? We need somebody to go, you know what? You, you're better than that. Okay, maybe you don't have anybody like that in your life. I have lots of people like that in my life. I have glass doors on my office for a reason. So I can be held accountable for what I'm doing at that desk behind the doors. Accountability is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Help you get to the next level. Here's another sign that you have covenant relationships. You have long-term relationships where people have been with you through the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Philippians 1, 3 through 8, he is saying to these individuals, Paul says, you were with me when I was in chains. When, I wasn't, when they imprisoned me, you were still my friend. See, you need people in your life who love you when you're not in jail and when you're in jail. And when you're being persecuted falsely and when things are going bad, it's amazing to me. I've had lots of people in my life who were with me when things were going good, but when things went south, they just disappear. And then I have friends like a, a junior Scribner who's been with me forever and ever, and when things got rough, he was there. You know, let me just say this. I'm not, I don't want to embarrass him, but when I was looking at if something happened to me early on in this thing, if something happened to me, I'm going to need somebody to take care of my kids. I went to Junior and I said, would you be willing to take my kids if something happened to Ginger and I? And he said, yes. That's an amazing relationship because he knew when he said it what he was volunteering to do if something happened to me. Now, praise God, all my kids are gone now and raised and he didn't have to do that, but he was willing. You need people like that in your life. You need people when something tragic happens, they don't avoid you. They might not know what to say, but they show up. You know, I've had lots of loss in my life, beloved, and there's nothing people can do. There's no, nothing you can do. You've prayed, we've prayed, we stood, and they die anyway. But to have those people show up and just put their arm around you is so encouraging. They don't know what to say, but maybe they don't have to say anything. Maybe they just show up. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, chapter... Chapter 1, verses 3 through like 11, he's talking about the God of all comfort comforts us. And then he talks about how bad things got. And this is the guy that said, count it all joy. Paul says in one translation, he said, it got so bad, we despaired even of life. We despaired even of life. And then he says this, now listen to the power of this. He said, but you and your prayers were a part of God's rescue mission. Just your presence may be a part of God's rescue mission. You know, I've been doing, I've done well over 600 funerals. I'm somewhere between six and 700 funerals now. I've done 40 and 50 a year for as long as I can remember. And people ask me all the time, what do you say? I always tell them the same thing. Oh, no. One word. Oh, no. I, I don't know what to say because I don't have some pre-programmed cheesy thing to say. I don't have some Christian cliche or some scripture to spit at them. What I have is a genuine care for them. And I just show up. And the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 5, that out of the heart is, is wisdom. Counsel is in the heart of a man. So if I let them talk, they'll tell me what they need. But sometimes it's just enough for me to show up, put my arm around them, cry with them, laugh with them, 
walk this out. You need people like that in your life. Another sign you're being transformed by relationships. You're going to love this one. Put this on your refrigerator. You are in submission, not just in agreement. If you have covenant relationships and there's authority in your life, you are submitted to that authority. Most people think they're in submission when they're really just in agreement. I always tell the women this. You think you're in submission because you let them buy the van. No, you are in submission when you let them buy the Harley. Bible says Ephesians 5.21 that we're supposed to submit one to another, husband and wife. A lot of people tell me they're in submission to Dwayne and myself at Victory, but as soon as we say something they're not in agreement with, as soon as we make a statement about some political thing that's going on, they leave the church. I can tell you that's because they're in agreement and not in submission. It's not submission till you disagree. It's only agreement. If you all agree we should go right, that's just agreement. But if we say we should go left and you guys want to go right, it's only submission when you turn left. That's when you know you have covenant relationships. That's when you know you're walking this thing out right, is when you truly have a submission to the authorities that are in your life and not just agreement. Amen. Liking this so far? I am. I don't know about you. Third thing. Oh, no, I don't need no welfare claps, please. Third thing is serving. We all need a place to serve. I don't know if you've ever been taught this, but the word leader and leaders is mentioned a grand total of six times in the Scripture. Leader and leaders, a grand total of six times in the entire Word of God. And three of those are negative leaders. But serving, servant, and servants are mentioned hundreds of times. Maybe God's desire is not so much leaders, but servants. That would be my guess if I was to take a stab at it. Signs you're being transformed by serving. You don't seek titles. You seek opportunities to serve. Can I? Too many people are after titles. Too many people are after position instead of opportunities to serve. Do you know how I got started in the ministry? I had a grand job. I was going to a church that had pews. And I spent every Saturday for like a month taking the gum out from underneath the pews because when people were chewing gum when it came time to worship, they would just stick it underneath the pew. And it got sticky and nasty and stinky, and somebody had to get rid of that. And I said, I'll do that. And the Lord said, there's somebody I can use. Because I wasn't after a title. I'm still not after a title. I, I don't even know what to call me. And the world doesn't know to do with one of me. They certainly couldn't have two of me. You can give me any title you want. I'm going to do what I do. So you're not after titles. You're actually after opportunities to serve. Second thing is you have a servant's heart, not just a servant hands. Can I tell you, I want to brag on your pastor. There he is. The pastor of the church is up there playing drums. Yeah, come on. That's awesome. Have a need? I can do that. I'm your guy. Caleb did a great job this morning. He did a great job. You need to get up for him, I promise you. Here's the thing. If you didn't think he did, did a good job, we'll give you the mic next week. It's really scary sitting up here looking at y'all. I do this every it's like, go ahead, Pastor, and make my day. <laughs> he got up here and just did it, man. That's all I... I I wasn't ready at your age. That's awesome. I'm proud of you. Way to go. I, I got here early, way early today. And there were already like 12 people here, man, getting stuff done. That's a servant's heart. I just got back from Uganda, Africa. 
And I think everybody ought to take a mission trip in their, in their life. Everybody needs to go to a third world country at least one time in their life. But let me tell you why I went. It's been 18 years. I've been overseas three or four different times. It's been 18 years since I went last time. I went because God said, go. And somebody else was in charge, and somehow I ended up being the leader of spiritual over the thing. And I just wanted to serve. And so we went over there, and there are other people who are there asking us to put rice in a bag and then the stew that we made in the bag and then a piece of meat and give it out. And it was the best meal those people have had in probably a year. And some of that stuff that we handed out, beloved, I'm telling you, we wouldn't even, we had a hard time handing it out because they eat everything of the cow. Not just the stuff you and I eat. They eat everything. We're dishing this stuff out and it's like, and they're so grateful. But I went not to be in charge. I literally asked, don't give me a title. Let me just go serve. Because I learned a long time ago that God wants us to have a servant's heart. If there's a need, fill it. But I'm not, I don't feel led. Well, let me get you a sinker from my fishing tackle and go serve. You can feel led anytime you want. Oh, I see that. Now I'm messing with you. I can see it. See, you... You think you have to have a divine voice from God to go serve. You just need to serve. You need a place to serve. You need a place to get plugged in, and your gift will make room for you, but you need to get plugged in. You, if, if I had a, a hundred seeds here in my hand, and I wanted to find out what they were, the quickest, simplest way to do it is to plant them in the soil, and they'll grow up to be what they already are, right? Well, some of you just need to get planted, you just need to go serve somewhere. If we put you in children's church and you're an administrator, inside of two Sundays, we'll know we need to change you because you will have all our children alphabetically lined up against the wall in order. You will put all the toys up. All the boats need to go in this box and all the cars need to go in this box and the Legos need to go in this box. And we will find right quick that the kids are miserable, but you got everything organized. But you need to serve. You see, when you hear Pastor Micah or one of the pastors say, we have this need, all you hear is the church has need. What you need to hear is you need to serve. Because if you're not serving, you will not reach your spiritual material level. It's impossible. All of us need to serve. You know what I would encourage you to serve? It is, I would encourage that they start a parking lot attendant here. So that you can stand outside in the rain trying to love people and showing them where to park, and they just drive by you and park wherever they want anyway and just smile at you. And then you get to deal with what's in your heart. You need to go work at the food bank where people are supposedly starving, and they come in, and it's like they want to go through Walmart. I like this. I don't like that. I don't like that kind of peanut butter. Do you have Jif? And you smile at them and go, no, we don't have Jiffy. We got this right here, and if you're hungry, it'll, it'll meet the need, I promise. Because I've had to go to the food bank. I know what that's like, to have to stir up the peanut butter. And I was just grateful to have some peanut butter. So you need to serve. All of us need a place to serve. Number four, personal disciplines. This is when you pray other than when the pastor has asked you to pray. This is when you read the Word of God and no one's looking. This is when you do the disciplines that allow you to mature in your Christian walk with the Lord and nobody's paying attention. Personal disciplines. You know, a lot of people work hard when the boss is around, but when the boss is gone, you find out where their work ethic really is. We need personal disciplines. In Acts 2.42, it says this, and they continued steadfastly. And they continued steadfastly. That's called discipline life. Another translation says, and they committed themselves to the word of God and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. They committed themselves. They were committed to it. We all need personal disciplines. Write it down. Spiritual formations. 
Signs you're being transformed by personal disciplines. You have some. <laughs> Let's just start there. Signs you're being transformed by personal disciplines is you have some. I have spiritual disciplines in my life that I do every day, and I've done them for so long that I don't even think about it. It's just a part of who I am. Some of you have spiritual disciplines, but they're not good spiritual disciplines. They're spiritual the wrong way. But we all have habits, let's put it that way, spiritual disciplines. One of the things I've committed to do because I want to be able to preach when I'm 90 or 100 years old, if the Lord allows me to live that long, is I've committed to staying physically healthy. So I run every day, even when no one's chasing me. And I don't like to run. But I've learned to miss it when I don't get to run. I've learned it's a part of who I am, and I feel, I, I don't want to do this, but I feel so good when it's over. I pray every day. I read the Word of God every day. I have moments of silence throughout the day, every day, where I just shut down and remember the Lord is in charge and He doesn't need me. Some of you all need a discipline in your life where just two or three times a day, you take two or three minutes and just say, Lord, thank you for being in charge. Thank you for running the earth and not needing me. Thank you for loving me for who I am, not what I can do. You know, God loves the bee because it's a bee. We love a bee because it makes honey and it pollinates flowers, right? God loves the bee because it's a bee. And God loves you because you're you. And you just need to step back from all the chaos a couple times a day and just go, Lord, thank you that you can run this without me. Because I promise you, he can. If you think you're that important, stick your finger in some water and pull your finger out and see how long the hole lasts. So you have some. Second sign that you're being transformed by personal disciplines, you do them, rain or shine, when you feel like it, when you don't feel like it, when people are looking and when they're not. You have what we call rhythms of grace, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you labor who are labor laden, and I will give you rest and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. We need rhythms, disciplines of rhythm that keep us in the right frame of mind. People ask me all the time, some of those spiritual disciplines are things like silence, solitude, generosity, worship. We all need those disciplines in our lives and many others. And people ask me all the time, what's the best ones? I'll give you the answer. Write it down. The ones that transform you. The ones that bring you to Jesus where you can be transformed. Sometimes the best things uh, of rhythms in my life have been times when I've just been quiet and just let the Lord's presence overtake me. And I one of the neatest things that's happened to me in the last year or two is just stepping back and being silent. And by the way, for a man who's gifted to talk, that's the hardest thing for me. Just step, stepping back and being silent and hear the Lord say, I'm singing over you. I'm singing over you. Because I remember singing over my grandchildren and what that meant to me. So whatever disciplines bring you to Christ, that's the best ones. Sometimes you just need to put on some worship and truly worship God and sing the words like you mean them. Sometimes the best thing you can do is get with other people and let them pray with you and pray over you. So whatever discipline, whatever spiritual thing that you have, the best ones are the ones that bring you to Christ and bring transformation in your life. And I've written down on your notes, the, the best ones, the practices and disciplines that bring you to Christ, those are the best ones. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as we behold the glory of the Lord is in a mirror, we're changed into that same image from glory to glory. Here's the principle. Whatever you're paying attention to, whatever you're looking at, that's what you become. That's why some people like, look like the walking dead. Let it go. Last one, and I promise you this is the last one. This is the one we have the least amount of control over, but it has the most potential 
to change you. It is encounters with God, alter experiences. We all should be encountering Jesus. We all should be encountering God in a way that things change in our concepts. Things change in our ideas. Things change in our uh, love for our spouse or ability to deal with our children. Encounters with God that really, really make a difference. So let me just end with the signs you're having encounters with God. You experience God in times of difficulty. Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is nigh them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many of you who've watched over the years know about some of the losses in my life. I've been through a whole lot of loss. I got several children in heaven. I got a son-in-law in heaven. I've just got through burying another friend yesterday. But what I have found is people say to me all the time, Man, I just couldn't go through that. I just, I just don't have the grace to, to do that. And you're right, you don't. You don't have grace for that because you don't need grace for that. If you lose a spouse, if you lose a, a, a child, if you lose a good friend, you will have grace for that because now you have need of it. And I can tell you that as hard as all that is, and it's hard, I've cried so hard I thought there are no more tears left only to find out there are tears still up there. I've cried so hard that I've lost my voice. It's just hurt so bad. But I've also sensed the presence of the Lord so real to bring me through that. So we need experiences with God when times are difficulty. We recognize he's near us. We recognize he's getting us through that. Second thing, you've experienced the joy of God's presence. The joy of God's presence, in his presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16, 11. Man, I tell you what, I have felt the joy of the Lord where I felt like I was just going to pop, just come all over me, just realize the devil's defeated, I'm going to win this thing. I've heard the devil say, you're going to lose, and I know he's a liar, so I know I'm going to win, and joy just got all over me, and I just won't dance. But here's the one I love the most. If you're having encounters with God, you experience God in the mundane, in the day-to-day, in the mundane. Colossians 3, and 23 says, Whatsoever you do, do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. Women, let me tell you what. You can experience God while you're ironing. You can experience the presence of God while you're doing the dishes. You can experience God while you're doing laundry. I experienced just a moment with God the other day when I was mowing the lawn, and I do not like mowing the lawn. I hate even worse weed eating, but I experienced the grace of God in weed eating. I experience God on a regular basis because I expect it. God is my friend, and he loves me. And he just doesn't want to be there just in the great times and in the sorrow times. He wants to be with us every day. I had a lady come into my office, and I'm closing. And she was literally about to have a nervous breakdown. And trying to get to the bottom of the thing, I just said, listen, tell me, what is the hardest thing? What is the thing that's really tearing you up right now? What's the biggest thing that you're facing? She, Without a hesitation, she said, the laundry. And I had to make sure I was listening right. The laundry. But here's what she was saying. It never goes away. I've got 10 kids or something, you know, and a husband, he works a mechanic, and so his clothes are always dirty. And every day, there's a bucket load of clothes. And if you have kids, they don't just wear one set of clothes a day. They might like wear six if you're, if you're really teaching them well. And so there's this, what she was saying is, I'm having a hard time with every day I do this and every day it's there again, every single day. Not like any of you. The truth of the matter is, though, if you're being transformed by God, you can experience God in the mundane. 
You can experience God on your way to work if you'll give him a chance to just show up because he wants to. You can experience God while you're doing whatever it is you're doing. One of, the, one of the things I love about God is when I'm praying about a situation I'm fixing to walk into in counseling, I cannot tell you the number of times God has given me a word for that person or that couple before they ever show up and set me on a pace where I know I'm going to say this and it's going to have the power to change their life, to transform them. There's nothing more beautiful in my life than to be sitting with somebody and they're just, they're just down, everything's bad, and just speak a word of encouragement unto them that the Lord gave me earlier and watch it set in and watch their transformation go from fear and chaos to, hey, I can, I can hang with that. God is good. So we all need to get past this thing of realizing just because you're 40 years old and God doesn't mean you shouldn't be being transformed. God is in the transformation business. And I'm telling you, just, just recently, I was transformed in a way again. That going to Uganda did something, and it's going to sound so simplistic to you, but it was such a, a resetting for me and a recognition for me. Because when I got over there, we fed thousands of people, thousands, literally fed thousands of people. And it's hot and it's hard work. And I realized I don't have anything to offer these people but Jesus. I'm going to feed them this meal, but then three days from now, they're still going to be hungry, trying to figure out how to survive. They're going to try to figure out where they're going to live or how they're going to get through. But what I realized was this. If you come to the place where all you have to offer is Jesus, you'll also come to this conclusion, it's enough. I watched Jesus do incredible things, man, move upon people in such a way. We were there and we were believing to have impact in the nation of Uganda. We didn't want to just go feed a few people or even a thousand people. We wanted to have a treadmark in Uganda that made a difference. And before we left, a man got saved who was a high politician in the Uganda government he was a Muslim, and he got saved. And I'm telling you, since he got Billy Graham saved, the glory of God, I thought he was a pastor. The glory of God was all over him. He was just showing the life of Jesus on the inside, and he gets up and he testifies, I came to Jesus as a Muslim. That man called the president of Uganda and said, these people need to be given more opportunities. And the president of Uganda called us and said, would you come back in May? Yeah. When you offer people Jesus, it's enough. I'm telling you, beloved, God is in the transforming business. Some of you need Jesus to transform you so bad. And I'm telling you, he wants to. But you got to be willing to do the work. You got to be willing to come into his presence and do what's necessary every single day to let transformation take place. I'm going to ask the prayer warriors to come. I'd like everybody to stand. Pastor Micah, I don't know if anybody else, but if I ever come back again, we need some kind of a sign that tells me what time it is because I'll go till the cows come home and they look like they've had just about enough. Let me tell you something, beloved. I don't, my, my opinion and $5 will buy you a coffee, maybe. But my offer of Jesus and his word has the ability to transform your life in a way that right now you can't even comprehend. God caught me when I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and set me free on a path because I was said, here I am, use me. Only God can do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what life has handed you. I know life can throw you a curveball and life can throw you a wrecking ball. I've been through all of that and then some. I can tell you this, God is faithful. So whatever your need is today, I don't have the ability to meet it, but the God I serve does. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to make a simple invitation. I know most of you, so I won't be long. 
And I will give you opportunity to come to the front and let people pray for you. That that transformation will begin to take place today. But if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart and become a part of the family of God, you've never been what the Christians call born again, you've never given your life to God, I want to make that invitation right now. And all it is is an invitation to become a part of the family of God. God says in his word, he takes the lonely and he puts them in family. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to be bold and ask you to be brave. I'm going to you to raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. Would you pray for me? I want to know who I'm praying for if there's anyone. I can stand before God one day and say, they were given the invitation and I can be at peace with that. So is there anyone who'd say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. All right. That's what I thought. So then I'm going to ask you this. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, I need to be transformed in some of those areas of my life you spoke of. And I realize that I I love Jesus, but I need transformation more. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, hands all over the congregation. I thank you, Father God. I lift my hands with their hands, Father God. I may be twice their age, three times their age, but Lord, I still want to be conformed into the image of your Son. I need areas of my life changed by the power of God, and I thank you that you're willing to do that. And as I spend time in your presence, walking through the spiritual disciplines, I thank you, Father God, that these individuals who raise their hand will be transformed by the power of God. That as they renew their mind to what the Word of God has to say, you said, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, what we need is your mindset. What we need is how you see life, how you see things, not how we see things or how the world sees things. So, Lord, we ask you that as we get into your word and hear your word and get into your presence, that our minds would be renewed to see life, to see people, to see our family the way you see them. So, Father, I thank you for it, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Now listen, one more thing, and then you're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, somebody to agree with you about that transformation, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need healing in your life. You need someone to agree with you about some situation you're going through. I'm begging you. Do not just leave because the service is over and go back to life as it is. God is offering you an opportunity to be changed. But here's the first step. You've got you to step forward. You've got to humble yourself. I go all over the country and I see people who tell me they want to be transformed, but they're unwilling to take that step. And the enemy wins one day again. You're going to have to be bold. You're going to have to be brave. But I promise you this. If you will take one step, God has already taken 10 towards you. And he will do what you're asking. He will make the transformation possible. So, Father, in Jesus' name, give them boldness. Give them strength to make that step forward and to be prayed for, Lord God, in agreement with individuals who will stand and believe for that transforming power. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm done.